Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and neighbors, we have an extra special episode this week because we have an interview with one of the stars of this week's film, King Kong Escapes, Linda Miller, who played Lieutenant Susan Watson in the movie, will be joining us later in the episode. But first, the theme song and some of our usual shenanigans. One, two, three, four. Monster movie. Fun time, go! 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 With Precious D and Honey Bee. Fun time, go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monster Movie Funtime Go. I am your host, Honey Bee. And I am your other host, Precious D. And today we are talking about King Kong Escapes, which we talked about in the last episode is very closely related to the King Kong show. It was birthed from the King Kong show. Here we are, King Kong Escapes in 1960, question mark? Was it 67? Yes, 1967. The Japanese title is Kingo Kongu no Gaiakushu, King Kong's Counterattack. A number of these Japanese films involve somebody's (laughs) counterattack. I don't know why. Yeah, 1967, In Color, 104 Minutes, directed by Ishiro Honda. With music by Akira Ifakube. Yeah, yeah. And it is a co-production between Toho and Rankin and Bass. And I believe that's partly just because Rankin and Bass has the rights to King Kong at this time. One of the other movies we we watched was going to be, oh, it was uh, um, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. A beer, a horror of the deep. That was going to be a Kong movie. Oh yeah. Either they couldn't work out the rights, or they just changed their minds. I don't remember why, mm-hmm. but that was in this in the same time period, just the year before. So yeah, what this does is basically take a couple of the ideas from the King Kong show, but not adapt the show directly. So the Bond family is not in it. Right. We exchange the tiny white kid for a white woman. <laughs> yes we get two white people we get a white guy and a white woman mm-hmm. uh, we get a you know square jawed white manly man leading man who however is not the love interest for the blonde yeah! white woman which is pretty great yeah also he's the captain and it wouldn't really be appropriate because she's also a member of the crew yeah but none of these movies give a shit about appropriate yeah <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Rhodes Reason as Commander Carl Nelson. Carl. Akira Ta- Akira Takarada, who we've seen in multiple movies, going all the way back to the original Kong. Uh, I mean, the original Godzilla. Uh-huh. As Lieutenant Commander Jiro Nomura. And Linda Jiro. Jo Miller as Lieutenant Susan Watson. Her voice is very obviously dubbed by somebody else. So we watched the... Uh, <laughs> We watched the English version. Uh, there's a Japanese version, but I'm not sure. The, the Blu-ray that I have has just the English language version on it, I, I think. And Honeybee, I believe you had to watch it online. Uh-huh. It's not streaming anywhere officially, but, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can find it. And uh, I couldn't find the Japanese version, but... Linda Joe's voice is dubbed by somebody else. <laughs> but Rhodes Reason dubs his own voice. And the reason that Rhodes Reason dubs his own voice is because he's in the Screen Actors Guild. But Linda Joe was just an American living in Japan, working as a model. So she was based in Japan. And to f- she was upset, I think, that she didn't get the opportunity to dub her own voice. And she hated the English. She liked the Japanese voice they used for her. Did not like the American voice at all. But the cost of... No. (laughs) It's not that it's bad. It just doesn't quite... I don't know. It comes off sounding very cartoony. Yeah, it doesn't fit at all. Yeah, it just doesn't quite... You can just tell that it's not her voice. Mm -hmm. I'm not... I don't know how to describe it exactly. 
but it's just obviously not her voice. Well, I think that like how you can describe it is that when you're, when you're doing a voice acting, you have to act more with the inflections and the tones in your voice than you are, you know, in person, you have to get points across with your voice. And I think that this actor just did dramatic things. She was doing, she's acting like she's on a radio show. Well, that's just how it felt. It's like, like she was just really like there was I, I think that's how it came across as fake to me because mm. it just didn't seem normal like her yeah it's it didn't seem like normal inflections and normal tones it was like super over dramatic and like voice acting that's what it sounded like yeah you know so it was just yeah. a little distracting but i mean you get used to it i guess right uh so anyway the issue is that flying her back to the states just to dub her voice was too costly when they could just get somebody that was already there to do it. Sorry, Linda. But since Rhodes, since Rhodes is in the guild and probably based out of America anyway, he was there to do it. Uh, though there's a story that um, Paul Freeze, who we mentioned in the past, who does a lot of voices for Rankin and Bass, does the voice of Doctor Who. That we Uh haven't gotten to yet. Hideo (laughs) Amamoto plays Doctor Who. Paul Fries does his voice in the English language version, but he also does many of the other voices. And apparently when he ran into Rhodes Reason at the recording studio said, what are you doing here? I could do you better than you do. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. So, yeah. There you go. He's just like, I'll just do all, I could just do all the voices myself. As we mentioned last time, Rankin and Bass is most famous for holiday specials. And Paul Freeze's voice, many of our listeners might most easily recognize as the voice of uh, Burgermeister Meisterberger from Santa Claus is Coming to Town. So anyway, uh, there's this UN submarine that is just tooling around going to an assignment and the captain and his two lieutenants have a little well first we get some drive-by sexism uh, as lieutenant susan watson walks through the sub and uh, she's the nurse i guess and one of the guys is like oh the nurse like that i wouldn't mind getting sick yeah we've seen this bit before also we just watched a movie recently where there was like the blonde girl in the movie and she had the, there was this exact same skit with her she was like a lady scientist though where it's like uh, uh yes sir uh ma'am uh oh, like that, yes. that whole thing we we saw that That's i mean right. just recently it was like a a few movies ago <laughs> right what was it I, I don't remember but yeah there's a lot of that nonsense i think it was x from outer space maybe yeah and anyways she comes in to talk to the captain and lieutenant jiro they mention Kong and the island, and the captain has an interest in this legend of Kong, but they can't go investigate right now. They they have a mission. They're right near the island, but they're not. They they can't divert from their mission to go <laughs> check out the island and check out Kong. But then they're going to shortly end up having to do that anyway. Anyway, the, I got the synopsis here from. Wikipedia, thank you, Wikipedia. But they just jump straight, they skip all that part at the beginning and say uh, an evil genius named Doctor Who. Who is very well cast, might I say. Yes. From the cartoon, this man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this guy actually had some hair, though. Yeah, but they made Uh, his hair, like they cut, like his haircut basically made his head the bulbous shape (laughs) that the cartoon guy had. So. As we mentioned last time, the British show Doctor Who had already been on the air for a few years, but apparently had not yet become an international hit. And this Doctor Who seems to be more inspired by Doctor No. There are some very James Bondy elements in this movie, including Maya Hama playing Madame Piranha or Madame X, depending on which version you're watching. She is just fresh from having been in You Only Live Twice, the James Bond movie. She's a piranha. Yeah. The evil genius Doctor Who 
creates Mechanicong, a robot version of King Kong, to dig for the highly radioactive element X, found only at the North Pole. Mechanicong enters an ice cave and begins to dig into a glacier, but the radiation destroys its brain circuits and the robot shuts down. I was super disappointed that he isn't controlling the robot from his forehead. <laughs> That's right. Like the he cartoon. Not, I was like, oh. He has a remote control this time, which is a little more yeah. practical, but not as much yeah, fun. Yeah, totally. Totally. Not as much fun. And apparently he stole the design from Commander Nelson from his sketches. Mm-hmm. This is very unclear. They, We find out later they have some past history. And it seems like in studying the legend of Kong, Nelson drew some sketches. And who just stole the sketches and turned them into a robot? Uh, it's very <laughs> weird. <laughs> who then sets his sights on getting the real Kong to finish the job? I don't know why they don't just get some remote-controlled bulldozers and earth movers that don't need to have electronic brains, per se, but... And a little bit of lead shielding, but there you go. <laughs> that, that wouldn't have been any fun, I guess. That wouldn't be a very good movie. Yeah. Who is taken to task by a female overseer, Madame Piranha, a.k.a. Madame X, whose country's government is financing the doctor's schemes and frequently berates him for his failure to get results? She just keeps saying, my country, and all we know about it is that it's not Japan. Because... Mm-hmm. At some point, Nelson identifies her as not being Japanese. Or is it Takarada? No, it's... Uh, well, uh, oh, yeah. Jiro. I, Jiro Nomura. I think it is Jiro at first, but then later on, she's confronted by Nelson. But it's Jiro yeah. who, who first says, like, I don't think they're Japanese. And then Nelson that's who's right. like, the other, who, who the other two. Cl- that's right. The other two clearly Japanese guys who kidnapped them at some point <laughs> are not <laughs> Japanese. And they're sure that she's not Japanese. I'm guessing because of Cold War shit that maybe she's supposed to be Chinese, but they don't want to come out and say it for whatever reason. So who knows? I don't know. I liked it. I like that. Like, yeah. just never knew or never gave shit. Like, whatever. Yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it could have been what she could have been from one of those made up countries that we saw several yeah, movies ago. Yeah, uh, meanwhile, a submarine commanded by Carl Nelson arrives at Mondo Island. Why did they end up going to the island when they said they couldn't? I don't remember. You just watched it. Why did they? Um, that's a good question. I don't remember why they end. They end up going to the island, even though they said they couldn't. Uh, where the legendary Kong lives. Here, the giant ape gets into an intense fight with a giant dinosaur, Gorosaurus, which is a made-up asaurus that will show up later, just uh, a year later, in Destroy All Monsters. And I'm not sure if he'll show up in Final Wars. He shows up in All Monst- Destroy All Monsters, All Monsters Attack, and Godzilla vs. Gigan. Oh. Huh. So he does not show... Final Wars, which we won't get to for quite some time, has almost everything in it. But apparently does not have Gorosaurus in it. Anyway, he's a very Tyrannosaurus kind of a dinosaur. Yeah, he looks great from the side, but like looking at him front on, <laughs> the suit is not. The mouth of the suit looks great and, and the, like the head, but the front, like the body, does not look mm-hmm. good from the front. <laughs> and uh, there's also a sea serpent involved in this battle. Yes. He falls in love with Lieutenant Susan Watson. Uh, Following in the footsteps of Anne Darrow from the 1933 film. I mean, she's blonde, so annoying. what's an ape supposed to do? I, I like really hated that part where they're like, so why does why does he listen to you, Mrs. Watson? The guy's like, it's simple. Kong's a boy and, well, look at him, ladies and gentlemen, or some shit like that. Like, he's like, well, <laughs> right. Like, so I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake, that's like, that's what we're going to do. Hell no. Anyways. Yeah, because, you know. Gorillas aren't attracted to other gorillas. They're attracted totally to humans. Totally attracted to humans. Yeah, I was like, why are we making it yeah. about that? That's so awkward. I mean, there are some, you know, ostriches will fixate on a human. So that's what I want to see. I want to see a giant ostrich movie where it gets obsessed with a human. <laughs> <laughs> 
I want to mention Linda Joe Miller here, though, also known as Leslie Michaels. She, as I said before, was um, doing modeling work over in Japan as a teenager and a, a young adult. Then for a while, it seemed to be a mystery who she was because she returned to the United States after 1968 and briefly pursued it an acting career under the name Leslie Michaels because there was already a Linda Miller in the Screen Actors Guild. But her identity was kind of a mystery to Kong fans because of this name change. I guess they couldn't (laughs) drag it. They're like, what happened to her? And it was rediscovered in 2014. And uh, Wikipedia tells me she has since appeared in the G-Fan magazine and in conventions. Hell yeah. So, uh, there you go. There you go. Get um, it, Linda. Yeah, I guess uh, people were, were like, who is this actress? Why can't we find out anything about her? Because she moved to another country and changed her name. Hell yeah. I like it. Yeah. Love it. Uh, Doctor Who subsequently goes to Mondo Island, abducts Kong, and brings him back to his base at the North Pole. And there's a stupid thing here about, well, we'll find where they took Kong unless they, I mean, you know, unless <laughs> yeah, they took him to the North, the North Pole. Pole. <laughs> Cut to the North Pole. (laughs) Kong is hypnotized by a flashing light device, which reminded me of Konga. Doing the same thing where they're just talking to him, hypnotizing him as if he can understand English. Yeah. Which he was even less likely to do than Konga was. Because he hasn't (laughs) spent years being... uh, Konga at least had spent a, a year with that doctor, with that scientist. Yeah, Kong has spent, like, years with natives that don't even speak English or Japanese. Yes. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, he's hypnotized by a flashing light device and fitted with a radio earpiece. I think he's actually got one in each ear. Who commands Kong to retrieve Element X from the cave. And Doctor Who is a complete dumbass of an evil genius because it doesn't occur to him that the radiation might short out the earpiece the same way it shorted out... Mechanicong. And. But that's what happens. Kong gets real snoozy. <laughs> mm-hmm. He just wants to take a nap. Yeah. Problems with the, with the earpiece ensue, and who has to kidnap Susan Watson, the only person who can control Kong? Because he's in love with that's his. That's right. After Watson and her fellow officers are captured by who? So, this is the part you were talking about when they uh, a helicopter comes to get them, acting like it's a UN helicopter or whatever. Uh-huh. And they get on board, and then uh, Jiro is like, uh, I don't think these guys are Japanese. Yeah, yeah. But they just go along with them anyway. And, uh, yeah, totally get kidnapped. Madame Piranha unsuccessfully tries to seduce Nelson to bring him over to her side. So they have a little very Bond-like thing where she puts on a nice dress and invites him to her quarters and offers him That's refreshments of one kind or another. And uh, I think he actually says, what's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this? Yeah, something like that. And he kind of does a Kirk on her. Oh, that this this is why the lieutenant is not his love interest, because there's got to be this stuff going on. Right. With her. I I like Lieutenant and like Watson and Jiro. Like, I, I, I. Yeah. I like them together. Yeah. And um, because it is more of a kids movie and not a Bond movie, we can't have the commander smooching on multiple girls or actually getting into bed with any of them because it's a kids movie. So they got to, you know, got to keep them keep that stuff separate. Yeah. Clean it up. Clean it up. But she uh, she catches feelings for him, basically, and decides to turn her back on her evil ways later. (laughs) <laughs> her entire country <laughs> yeah eventually Kong escapes and swims all the way to Japan where the climactic battle with Mechanicong transpires yeah the two giants the two giants face off at the Tokyo Tower which we have seen we have seen in multiple movies so far you know it's probably pretty easy well it's very iconic I suppose and is also probably pretty easy to build a model of. Yeah. <laughs> the Tokyo Tower, for folks who don't know what we're talking about, is basically a red and white Eiffel Tower that's yeah. in Tokyo. It has a very similar design 
to the Eiffel Tower. And I think it is, uh, it says right here, Eiffel Tower inspired lattice tower that is painted white and international orange to comply with safety regulations. It looks like red to me. It's a, it's a very red orange. Yeah. Uh, built in 1958. It is the second tallest structure in Japan. Well, if that's true, it must be quite a bit larger than the Eiffel Tower then. 1,092 feet. And I think it's it's a uh, communications and observation tower. The Eiffel mm-hmm. Tower was just built as a kind of a stunt for a world's fair. This actually has a practical purpose. It's a big-ass antenna, basically. Anyway, they have a big fight there, and we've seen a number of fights there in these movies. Kong prevails and destroys Mechanicong and kills Hu and his men. Then Ooh. Kong triumphantly swims back to his island okay, home. Okay, but, but we got to talk about Kong killing uh, Hu and his men because... Like, basically, uh, Watson is like, Kong, stop that ship! Get that <laughs> ship, Kong! And he, like, goes right. over there, and I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking of. I had, like, okay, Kong's gonna, like, get them, bring them back, everybody gets arrested. Haha, if it hadn't been for you kids kind of moment. But no, he straight just smashes that ship to shit. <laughs> kills everybody on it, and then is like, later like just like bounces leaves and she's like calling him Kong Kong King Kong and they're like give him a rest Watson let him go home he's tired of what we call society or whatever the fuck he says civilization civilization yeah, yeah. what we call civilization <laughs> <laughs> which uh I think we've seen that sentiment every now and then that uh, yeah totally so-called well, your so-called it was in conga he's like oh our so-called civilization uh-huh here's a bit of trivia from imbd as a children's film toho pressured the filmmakers to show more gore in the monster fights children's yeah. media in japan at the time was showing increasing amounts of violence especially when compared to the rest of the world films from rival studios would show monsters frequently bleeding while popular superhero TV shows had the heroes routinely slice, decapitate, and overall mutilate their monster opponents. <laughs> However, effects director Subaraya felt that such violence was inappropriate to show on the big screen, and when the studio wanted Gorosaurus to bleed profusely after Kong broke his jaw, Subaraya snapped back, These movies are for kids, he said. Why do you enjoy showing them blood? The compromise was for Gorosaurus to foam at the mouth instead. Oh, someone's got to care about the children. We did see in uh, the last Godzilla movie, Bira's arms get torn off. <laughs> he didn't spout blood then afterwards, but still, that was a little, that was a little brutal. Yeah. I think the, like, goriest thing we've seen wasn't even, like, a Toho film. It was actually uh, with that, it was when the guy, I mean, was it, uh, was it? He's driving in the car. It was like a dad. And he's like, it's the beginning of the movie. And he's driving in the car and it like blood like splatters the window. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think that's like the gore. I think that was Conga. Oh, no, no. That was uh, no. um, that was tarantula. 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 Yeah. It was the spider. Yeah. yeah. Tarantula. Yeah. Yeah. It just splatters right on the windshield. Yeah. That's like that really a, the only blood or like that actual gore. Except for, I would say, Daimajin, but there's no gore. It's just violent. There's no, yeah, like, blood splattering everywhere. There's no um, neck fountains like in some samurai movies. <laughs> <laughs> you cut a head off or slash your chest and there's just this fountain of blood that comes out. Uh, yeah, we haven't, we haven't seen it that bad. Uh, I saw this film as a child. This is one of the earliest ones I remember. Oh. Yeah, I have memories of Mechanicong. Mechanicong. Yeah. I I actually I enjoyed this movie. I did. And I was pretty shocked because I until we saw the cartoon, I was kinda like, eh, I don't really like King Kong, like whatever. I understand it's like the first thing, so it's like you gotta have it, but and then we watched the cartoon and I was like, Okay, all right. And then we saw this and I'm like, Okay. I, 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 okay, I get it. I feel like at this point, I like Kong a little bit more than I did before. What did you think of the look of Kong in this one? 
I liked his teeth, like his teeth. I liked his growl. The suit's getting better. He still isn't like quite there. He his like eyes are kind of wonky, and at certain points, the suit looked kind of fucked up in the back. Like, uh-oh, falling apart there, buddy. <laughs> I think he looks better than he did in King Kong versus Godzilla. But Agreed. I think he still looks pretty bad. On the yeah. other hand, I think Mechanicong looks great. <laughs> yeah, Mechanicong looked exactly like cartoon Mechanicong. Right. Oh, I forgot to mention. Uh, so Doctor Who, um, he wears a very snappy cape throughout most of the movie. Yeah, he also has really angry eyebrows. He's very, very dramatic looking. Bad teeth, it appears. Uh, at least his lower <laughs> teeth. Look I did not notice. Yeah. But this little fur hat he wears at times actually looks quite a bit like a hat that the other Doctor Who wore. The first incarnation of Doctor Who, of the other Doctor Who, sometimes wore a little black. So do you still think that he's not a Doctor Who ripoff as much as he's a (laughs) Doctor It might just be a coincidence because, well, they're both, they're at the North Pole and it's a little fur cap. Okay, okay, that okay. you might wear if it's cold and the, the uh-huh. other guy wore a little little black cap that was if not fur it was definitely that's meant to be something you'd wear you know for the cold not for not for sun protection but for cold protection mm-hmm. so yeah i think that's just a coincidence i'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say it's a coincidence though they are at this point they're both older guys because you know doctor who changes his apparent age <laughs> as he regenerates but they're both older guys with flowing gray hair and little black caps so i don't know maybe there's a little bit of a little bit of influence <laughs> there but you'd have to prove it in court <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and neighbors, I have a very special treat today. I have a guest with me, Ms. Linda Miller, who played Lieutenant Susan Watson in the film. Welcome to the show, Ms. Miller. Thank you so much, Dominic. Thank you. Uh, No, thank you for joining us here. So, we're recording this on July 28th. July 22nd is the day this movie came out 55 years ago. Oh, it God. Seemed... <laughs> that just uh, popped up on one of my feeds the other day. So uh, it's <laughs> it's nice that we're recording this so close to the release date. Does it seem that long ago to you? No, no, it doesn't seem that long ago. And I remember when the 50th came around, I was uh, I was like, are you sure it's been that long? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't <laughs> seem that long at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the older I get, the faster the faster things go. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So you were living in Japan at the time, mm-hmm. doing some modeling, mm-hmm. a little bit of television work I read. Yeah, my dad was in the Air Force, and it was time for him to be stationed overseas. We got the notice when I was in 10th grade that he was going to be sent the next year to Japan. So I took a summer school, and I had enough credits to skip the 11th grade and go straight to the 12th grade so that I could, when I went to Japan, I wouldn't be in school. That's how I wound up in Japan is because my dad, he was a lifer in the Air Force. My uh, my grandfather was in the Air Force and my mother spent a few years there just right after the war when she was a little kid. Oh, that's interesting. She spoke Japanese for a while, yeah. but I think I think she's forgotten it Wow. <laughs> Yeah, when when I was there, I um, I learned to speak Japanese as well, but I've forgotten so much of it now. Right. I used to be able to read and write hiragana and katakana, mm-hmm. um, which is two of the three forms of writing yeah. they have. Uh, but I've forgotten so much of it. It's it's kind of sad. <laughs> I've been trying to study it myself on a phone app, and the, the three alphabets really <laughs> is the biggest stumbling block, I think. It makes yeah. it very difficult. So you spoke some Japanese, but they did not have you record your lines in Japanese. Right. That... Yes, yes. They they wouldn't let me do it. I wanted to, but they, they wouldn't let me do it. Arthur's one who did, really didn't want me to do it. Um, Arthur and, Rankin? You know, Arthur Rankin, yeah. And 
the thing is, I think I spoke it pretty good, but that doesn't mean they think I spoke it pretty good, you know? Right. And acting's hard enough. Acting not in your native language is a little difficult, yeah. I'm sure. Acting, yeah, I had never acted before in my whole life, so it was really a difficult situation. And to add on top of that, although... After I shot King Kong Escapes, I was a guest star on a weekly, um, like a detective type show, and it was, and I spoke all in Japanese throughout the show. So I did oh. have an opportunity to actually speak Japanese on film. Oh, what show was that? It's called Seven Faces of Man, and um, I played a princess that was on a like as an ambassador from my country to Japan. And I guess there was some political intrigue going on. And so there was someone trying to assassinate me. And so the star <laughs> of the show was like protecting me, you know? Right. Okay. Oh, uh, I will try to track that down, but I'm betting that's going to be hard to, to find. I think you can, but I don't know which episode it was, you know? Right. I did see your uh, My Three Sons episode. It's on, did it's on you? YouTube. I found it on YouTube. I used to watch this show all the time, you know, back when uh, there did. were only three, when there was like three TV channels and you just watched whatever reruns they, they put on. Yeah. The kids today, they don't know. I have no idea what we went through. I uh. used to be my dad's remote control. He said, Linda, go change the channel, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and you had to, if there was, uh, now you were an only child, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I am the oldest of nine. And if there was a dispute over which channel to watch, because there weren't three or four TVs in the house like there are these days. Like there are now. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or your phone or your computer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So before you were in this movie, had you seen many kaiju movies or, or a yeah. science no. fiction movies? I, I, no. Uh, the only movies I ever really saw were in the States. You know, um, Dracula, um, mm-hmm. Frankenstein. I'd seen King Kong with Fay Ray, but uh-huh. I never, you know, when I was in Japan, I was working. I worked all the time, and I, I didn't even know what a Japanese kaiju movie was when I was there. <laughs> I didn't even know when I was in one. I didn't know I was in one, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, at least you'd seen King Kong. And I understand that at the time, yes. King Kong was actually more popular than Godzilla was, which is why they yeah. wanted to make those King Kong movies and team them yeah. up with Godzilla. Yeah. Have you uh, watched any since? Do you keep up with it at all? Or? The first time I actually watched my movie was in Austin when I was visiting some high school friends and they decided to have a King Kong escapes party. So they got the video and that was in 2016 and maybe it's 2017. I can't remember exactly, but that was the first time I had seen it all the way through the American version. I saw the Japanese version when when they had the premiere in Tokyo. I think it was in September of 67. So I saw it there. But the the American version was um, 2016, I think it was. It's the first time I saw it. And there were moments I just covered my face and said, oh, my God, you know. Well, I had read you were not happy with the voice they used in the American version. And so you, you didn't know, find out about that until 2016? No, I knew about it before 2016, but um, I don't remember. I guess it was, Ro- I was still living in Japan and Rhodes was in Glendale, California. Right. And I guess he was the one that told me they dubbed everybody, including me. With And then when I heard the voice, I thought, oh, Arthur. How oh, could so you, you do had that? heard it. You had heard it before. Yes. You just hadn't seen the whole movie. I see. Well, and that's why I never told anybody about the movie. Ah. <laughs> because I was I was embarrassed, you know. I mean, oh. first of all, I had never acted before, so there were some some parts in the film that it was like so obvious I didn't know how to act. And um so that on top of the voice, I just I just never mentioned it to anybody at all. <laughs> Oh, that's too bad. 
Well, that yeah. was Julie Bennett doing your voice, and apparently she also did the other woman's voice, yes. Ray Ham's voice, mm -hmm. and she um, did yeah. create a distinction between the two voices, and I, I think she did kind of a better job on the other voice, but that might be part of the reason for that performance, that she was just trying to do two extremely different things. Well, she, I... <laughs> It's like she made me sound like a a child, you know, instead of, yeah. you know, Lieutenant Watson. I mean, you know, she's not a little girl. Yeah. And right. I, it just the, the little girl voice just blew my mind. She seems to have done mostly uh, cartoon voiceover work. And it does sound, uh, mm. you know, like a cartoon. Because <laughs> it's hard to say what exactly it is. It's just very clear when you're watching it. You know, Rhodes' voice matches him. It's obviously his voice. Yes. Of yes. course, the Japanese actors, it's not their voices, and you can tell that. But you can mm -hmm. also just tell that it's not your voice, and it's hard to oh, say exactly you. what it is. <laughs> a, thank you so much. That's the biggest compliment anybody's ever paid me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah. Just, there's just something about it that it's just obviously not that person's voice yeah um, but you can't put your finger on what it is exactly um but i think though you know it's still in it's an enjoyable film and i and i enjoy watching you in it and i think a lot of your own personality comes through <laughs> and, and anytime you know anytime a movie's been dubbed you know the performances aren't what they would have been i remember watching a yeah a friend a french movie once it was like a horror movie and I was watching the English dub, and I switched over to the French, and it immediately seemed like a fifty percent better yeah. movie, <laughs> just because the well, voices didn't seem fake. Yeah, I um, have gotten into on Netflix Korean dr dramas, and when I have an option between, you know, subtitles and then their voice being dubbed, I always go to the subtitles because it seems more realistic, you know, when they're speaking their language. Yeah, so I know what you mean. Yeah. I usually prefer it, too. Sometimes with this show, uh, it's harder to take notes, though, when I have to read the movie. So sometimes I'll go to the dub just so oh. I can make my, no my notes as I'm watching. <laughs> or I'll watch it part in one way and part you in the other way. You know, have the pause button where you can pause yeah. it. <laughs> I, do, I do that a lot. It just it takes twice yeah. as long to watch yeah. the movie. You're not like in the kaiju movies now, though. You're not keeping up with them, or no. But I was approached recently, um, and so I'm waiting. It it would be a very small part, and so I'm waiting for the script. Uh, and it it would be. It, I mean, it's not a Hollywood production or Japanese production. It's just a small little independent thing. So, so we'll see. You made a, another little independent thing recently, didn't you? The new norm? Oh, yeah, the new norm. Yes. And I was, uh, my part w wound up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, uh, it, was a, it was a small part. And, and uh, actually, um, when I met the director producer, uh, she had already written the, the script. And so she wrote a part in it for me. And uh, I thought that was very nice. It was it was very small. And then she called me and said, uh, and I knew immediately what she was going to say. And I started <laughs> laughing. I said, you cut me out of your film, didn't you? <laughs> she says, we ran over too long. Oh. <laughs> so, but but I have credits, you know, which really surprised me when I right. I went last Friday to a screening, and I, my name is up there. And I thought, oh, that was nice. She gave me credit, <laughs> even though. <laughs> You know, I, I wasn't there. <laughs> uh, you know, the same thing happened recently, I believe. It was with your co-star, Akira Takarada. Mm. Filmed the scene for Godzilla, uh, was it 2014 yeah. already? He filmed the scene and then they, so. cut it, they cut it out because it didn't actually advance the plot. But they could have still put it on the DVD. I, I wish they had. Uh, yeah. I can't even find it on YouTube. All I can find is a still photo from it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's too bad because, you know, it, it would make sense just for sentiment reasons to have him in the film. Yeah, you know? well, and that, that's obviously why they did it, but it was just yeah. uh, a clerk at the airplane ticket, airport ticket booth, ticket counter. Mm. Do you know the first time I saw Godzilla was last August 
<laughs> I was at um, Bob Johnson every year has a Godzilla and um, at, at a, a theater in San Francisco. So I was there for the weekend. What they they had like three theaters and they would show different films. One was King Kong, one was the Green Slime, and then a couple Godzillas. So um, I actually went in and watched the Godzilla movie for the very first time, <laughs> the, the original 1954 one. And everybody said, what, you haven't seen that yet? I said, no. <laughs> so they said, you go, go there right now. You've got to see it. <laughs> well, what did you think? I thought it was good. I thought yeah. it had uh, the storyline I thought was very good. But I almost didn't recognize Takarada-san because he was so young. Mm. And uh, I think it was probably about 13 years later is when he and I worked together. So yeah. he was just a baby at the time. Yeah. We've been going through these movies chronologically, starting with King Kong mm -hmm. and working, working forward. So we've seen him in a lot of these He's one of our favorites, yeah. and uh, we'll be seeing him in a lot yeah. more still. He's he's in a lot yeah. of them, and, and he's always good, and I enjoy him. Did you uh, enjoy working with him? Yeah, he was he was very nice to me. In fact, it could have been an awful experience because of my lack of, of experience, I guess is the best word, but everybody on the set treated me so good. He just was not, we talked, you know, because I could speak Japanese, so we talked and he talked about his family and, you know, just normal everyday conversations. And then uh, he and Rhodes were very funny together because they're both kind of tall, macho guys. Because Takarada wasn't your typical Japanese style. You know, he was taller than than uh, most of them. You know, he and, and Rhodes would joke with one another and see who could make which one laugh first. So it could have been a macho standoff but it wasn't they they were really really funny and i enjoyed working with them and doctor who amamoto san he was so nice so my my whole experience with and of course honda san but my whole experience with everybody there was just really really great you know? uh, that's great to hear speaking of doctor who uh, yeah was anybody in the crew or the production aware that there was another character called Doctor Who? Uh, if they did, I didn't know because I didn't know about it. So I just thought it was a great name, you know, and I had no idea there was yeah. another Doctor Who. Well, it, at that time, it had only been out for like four years. Mm -hmm. And although it was a bit of a hit, it was a hit in Great Britain. It hadn't yeah. been exported anywhere yet. So certainly hadn't made its way to Japan yet. Yeah, it's just always kind of funny to see that that's his name, yeah. and he wears a hat that's rather similar to oh. <laughs> the Doctor's hat. The first Doctor who would have been the Doctor at that time. Well, no, the second guy might have been in it already by that point. Anyway, the first Doctor wears a little black fur hat sometimes. That's very similar, and they both have long white hair. I've got a picture of him on my wall right there when we're in the the. Uh, the chamber, the uh, ice cold chamber. So, mm -hmm. yeah, he, he was quite a character. He was funny as could be. He was funny looking, but he had a great sense of humor. And um, we became friends throughout uh, the production. And after King Kong, he um, he he did Fantasia on uh, Japanese in Japanese theater. And so he invited my mom and I to come down. And so on opening night, we went down to support him. And he just was, he was such a sweet guy. A little odd, but very sweet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen uh, the cartoon that preceded this, the King no. Kong show? No. Because uh, the Doctor Who and Mechanicong uh. appear on that show. They changed the other people. The heroes are a little family, a father and his daughter and his son. Oh. But... Uh, the and King Kong, of course. So they yeah. changed all of that, but they took Doctor Who and Mechanicong and uh, Manda Island, and mm -hmm. that all comes from this cartoon that was a okay. Rankin Bass cartoon. Yeah. But the design of Doctor Who in the cartoon is very different <laughs> than what they ended up with in the yeah. in, in the movie. 
those, those are all on YouTube. If you're ever curious, you can okay. see them. They have an awesome, the, the theme song's the best part of the show. <laughs> I, I thought the music in my movie was awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, um, isn't it the same guy that does all of them? Uh, Akira Ifakube? Yep. Yes. Akira Ifakube did, did the score. He is always good. Speaking of music, I saw the green slime for the first <laughs> time the other day. Okay. I don't know how it is. I've never seen this movie before because it's right up my alley and it has the most amazing yeah. theme song. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody needs to go on YouTube and listen to that right now. Just turn us off and go <laughs> go listen. Open the door, you'll find the secret. To find the answer is to keep it. You'll believe it when you When I was in San Francisco last year at the convention, uh, they were also showing the green slime, which I had never seen. And so I got to see that as well. And that, that was quite an experience. I, I laughed when I was watching it. They uh, introduced one of the main characters as Commander Rankin. Yes, I like, guess. Uh, like Arthur, Arthur Rankin. I, just, I was like, where's Commander Bass? Yeah, yeah. Is Commander Bass com coming to join us? But no. <laughs> Yeah. So you were one of the nurses in the green slime. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Now the story behind that is we had wrapped on King Kong escapes, you know, maybe a couple weeks or something like that. And my girlfriend who I don't even remember who she was now, because it was a long time ago, but my <laughs> girlfriend said, uh, they're shooting a movie over at Toei. You want to go over and take a peek? And Toei Studios was really close to where I live. So we went over there and we got on the set and we were watching them. And then uh, the director, I think it was the director, came up to us and said, hey, girls, you want to be in my movie? So that we said, yeah, why not? You know, so that's how we wound up on the green slime was like totally by chance. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's great whenever you can get yeah. that situation. And how did you end up being in King Kong Escapes? That's even did you more. Did audition? I did not audition for that at all. What happened is about a year before I met Arthur, I had a contract to do the cover of a young girl's magazine once a week. There were two of us and some, we would trade weeks off and then sometimes we would be together. So um, I got a call from Arthur and he said, I saw your magazine covers and you have the look of the girl I want in my movie. And I just thought that was kind of bizarre, you know. And <laughs> so I, I, you know, I think he maybe called me twice and says, can we get together and talk? So I met him in Tokyo because we lived on the base outside of Tokyo. And I went and I met him and talked to him. And I thought he was out of his mind. I said to him, I don't know how to act. I've never acted. And he was like, oh, you'll be just fine. You'll be just fine. And I tried to talk him out of it. So he never, I never <laughs> had uh, a screen test. I mean, I don't know why he was so, I don't know, reckless, I guess, in casting me. But it was just, <laughs> right. I, I had the look that he wanted and that's all he cared about. So that's how I got right. the part. Yep. Totally so, by luck. Some sometimes that's that's yeah. they've got a picture in their head and that's yep. what they want. And, and they're I like, think, we'll deal I, with whatever else when it comes up. And I think the fact that I already lived in Japan, uh, so from an economic sure. point of view, oh, I don't have to, you know, get a an American actress <laughs> who's a member of the Screen Actors Guild and and meet all those requirements. <laughs> oh, I got somebody right here in Tokyo. <laughs> so I'm sure uh, that's so you said he was cheap. <laughs> yeah. What was it like doing the uh, special effects, like the um, giant hands and things like that? Very uncomfortable. <laughs> that hand mm -hmm. uh, was not soft. It was, you know, made out of metal with some 
some kind of fur looking thing covering it, but it was hard. And so sitting on it was, I mean, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't real, real comfortable. And, uh, and I'm kind of afraid of heights. So I would, you know, they would bring the, the hand down and I'd climb on it and then they'd lift me up, you know, and I'd say, not too high, not too high, you know. And uh, <laughs> at the time it was a blue screen. I was in front of a blue screen and uh, right. I had no idea how they were going to do this. And so then they explained to me, you know, okay, we're, this is what we're doing and we're going to fill everything in and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, uh it was very interesting, but the most interesting part was one day I was walking around the studio a lot and I went into another sound stage and I just happened to walk in when they were shooting the special effects, you know, the little miniatures, um, the little yeah. models that they had. And, um, and so they let me watch it. I stayed there and watched it in the, in the, the part in the movie where Kong is knocked out by, you know, tear gas or whatever, and then the helicopter lifts him up and, you know, flies him away. I watched them film that. And it was amazing because if you could just kind of squint your eyes and, and hunker down and, like, look at it, uh, it looked so mm -hmm. real. All the, the, the jungle and the people and all, the, it was amazing. You know, and it filled up the whole sound stage, and they were like on a table, and uh, it was just it was pretty incredible. I enjoyed that part the most. <laughs> yeah, we love the models. My co-host Honeybee always refers to them as the toys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the the monsters come in and throw toys around is how she describes yeah. it. Yeah. So you've been doing uh, some conventions mm -hmm. lately, I see. Yes. When did you start doing that? I got a phone call from Brett Hominick out of the blue in 2015. And he's the one who told me that people were looking for me. And I had no idea why. I was like, oh, no, what have I done? You know, and he explained, he explained to me that King Kong had a following and, you know, I kind of, right. you know, dropped off the face of the earth and they'd been looking for me. And the interesting thing is the way he found me is when, he was living in Japan and he became friends with Natsuki Yosuke, who I used to date when I was in Japan. And so Natsuki said, oh, and because and Brett was telling Natsuki, oh, I'm looking for this girl, Linda Miller. And Natsuki said, well, her middle name is Joe, J-O. And that's why he was able to find me because, I mean, Linda Miller, how common of a name is that, you know? So he did an right. article for G-Fan magazine. I got an email from Jim <laughs> wanting to me to go to Florida for a convention in 2015. And I thought, I don't know who this guy is. I'm not getting on a plane and going down to Florida, you know? And... Uh, then I got a, a, a package in the mail, and it was a letter from Jim, and enclosed were a bunch of pictures from Takarada-san and a letter saying, please come to the conventions. And so that's how I started. I went, oh, if he's uh, doing it and, and he's with Jim, okay, I'm, I'm safe. So uh, 2000, sure. yeah, 2015 in October was my very first convention. And uh, so I've been fortunate enough to do, you know, several more. Usually it's about two or three a year before the pandemic, you know. Mm -hmm. And this year I will, yeah, I yeah. will do three. I've done, I've got, I've done one in June, and then I've got uh, one in uh, first week of September, another one in the second week of September. So we're hopefully we're back on target. <laughs> do you this is kind of random? Do you know in the green slime, did they? Dubbed the whole movie, even though it was all American actors. You know what? It looks like they ADR'd. I don't know if they did. You're right, because everybody spoke English in it. So I don't know, because I didn't have any lines. When you were making Kong, were they capturing any of the audio on set? Was there like a boom mic or anything? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. In the movie, whenever you hear me scream... That's actually me mm -hmm. screaming. That, I mean, it's my mm. real voice. I'm just wondering why they had to dub everything if they were capturing it on, on set. 
That's odd. I mean, I don't know if they dubbed the entire film, but definitely any parts that Rose and I, I were in, they had to, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously they had to do dub the Japanese lines for you, for the two of you. Oh, yeah, for Rose and I. And say actually the girl that did my voice in the Japanese version did a good job. Uh, but yeah, as I was watching the Green Slime, I, I I know it was an all Japanese production, but with all non-Japanese yeah, yeah. actors. And as I was watching it, I was like, this looks like they ADR'd the whole thing. Like they didn't capture any of the audio on mm-hmm. site. And I didn't know if that's just how they did. I know in China for a long time, they would just dub everything. They didn't even bother rec- <laughs> the Hong Kong movies. Yeah. For a long time, they just didn't bother at all recording anything live it wasn't until like the 80s that they started <laughs> recording things live uh, we were talking about how uh, they couldn't they had trouble finding you nobody knew who you were mm-hmm. yeah it, i assume that's partly because you moved back to america and then changed your stage name the reason i did is when i got the job for my three sons i got my screen actor guild card there was already a linda miller who's jackie gleason's daughter and uh so my agent wanted to keep the same initials and she came up with leslie michaels which i always hated and if i had been a little (laughs) smarter i would have said linda joe miller and then you know i could have gotten kept my real name so but um Yeah, that's how that happened. (laughs) Yeah, usually when you see an actor with three names or with a middle initial, it's because somebody else beat them into the guild. Exactly. Well, (laughs) and then sometimes they end up becoming more famous than that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Michael J. Fox or Samuel L. Jackson. Uh huh. uh -huh. That's why they use their initials. Yeah. Well, Linda Joe Miller, also (laughs) known as Leslie Michaels, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. And if you uh, end up being in that movie you were talking about, holler at us and we'll okay. have you back and talk about it. Okay. That's, that would be great. That would be great. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Linda Miller will be appearing at the Revolution Superfest in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania at their Comic Book and Toy Expo September 2nd and 3rd and at their Trading Card and Gaming Expo September 4th, and at the Days of the Dead Presents All Monsters Attack convention in Indianapolis, Indiana, September 9th through the 11th. So what are you going to rate King Kong Escapes, Honeybee? I'm going to say King Kong Escapes is a... uh, I'll say it's a four. Yeah, I'll give it a four, too. Yeah. I was was intimidated at first. I was like fuck are you kidding me this hour this this hour this movie is an hour and 37 minutes like are you jesus but then i never felt like oh god like this is dragging on or like i never felt like not entertained you know what i mean it was like it was a <laughs> that good seemed movie. that seemed too long to you yeah like shit <laughs> usually they're like an hour and 19 minutes an hour and 20 okay. minutes and so for the, right. that's the whole extra 20 minutes like jeez i'm just yeah. Uh, well, yes. For for these movies at this time, for yeah, you know, current current movies, there. Right for current I mean, movies, uh, sure. But yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for now. Um, next week's movie will be Gamera versus Gaos. Which I believe you can watch on Amazon Prime, and nice. it's probably on Tubi as well. And it is one that has been done by Mystery Science Theater 3000. So if you are so inclined, you can watch that version a couple of different places. Folks, please follow us on all the socials. You can find links to all that stuff on our page, on our anchor page and our uh, link in bio page, mmftg.bio.link, I think is the address. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. We're probably still having a giveaway because I set a rather high number of followers that we had to reach before we would give away those DVDs. And I I think at this point I've thrown a Blu-ray in as well. 
uh, rate and review us, like and subscribe, all that stuff. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Get a tattoo. Hire a plane with a banner behind it. <laughs> Engrave it on the moon with a laser beam. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I have been Precious D. I have been Honeybee. Remember to keep calm and seek shelter in basements. And please don't misuse science. We won't see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Funtime Go. You've been listening to Monster Movie Funtime Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.